All right, come on, let's give it up for the Lord, because he is good. Somebody say, God, he is good. He's good all of the time, including this time. You just came on a great day, because this is the day that the Lord has made. And he made it with you in mind. Before the world ever began, God knew that you'd be here. And he has something that he wants to say to you as his daughter, as his son, and we want to have ears to hear as we're in this season of Advent. Advent means a, a, a coming, a new beginning, and uh, we're celebrating the Advent of Christ, not just in history years ago, but in mystery that he is in this room right now, and his presence changes everything. You don't have to wander in darkness anymore. You can live in the light and in the love of God. And today we're talking about a very important way to connect with God. If you would like to connect with God in this Christmas season, and I hope that you do, we're going to talk about worship as a great connector between you and God because Christmas is all about worship. Mary worshiped Christ. Joseph worshiped Christ. This, the, the, the shepherds came, and they worshiped Christ. And the guys we're going to talk about today, their story is found in Matthew chapter 2. They were the wise men, and they came to worship Christ. Are there any wise men in the house? Okay, well, let's, let's try this then. Are there any wise women in the house? <laughs> There's a lot more wisdom with estrogen than testosterone. I just, let me just say this. It is wise to learn about worship. It's just wise. And here's a simple, uh, memorable definition of worship. Worship is our love expressed to God. The two components are our love, and that love is expressed. Now, you can have love for God, you can come here today and, and love God, but if you don't express that love, it's not worship. You can also come with an expression. Maybe you sang every single song so far. You can even have given in the offering, but if you expressed without love, it's not worship. So we want to learn about worship because worship connects us with God, and worship opens our heart and our ears to hear what he would say to us. And I want to hear from my heavenly Father this Christmas season. So we're in Matthew chapter 2, and uh, we're looking at the wise men, and they have things to teach us about worshiping and connecting with God. First thing I want to point out from this story, and if you're taking some notes or you get your study guide out or open your Bible, however you connect with the Scriptures right now, I want to just point out that to be a wise worshiper your worship needs to be intentional. Worship doesn't just happen by accident. Worship doesn't just happen because you came to church. You can sit through a worship service and never worship. You can go to church for years and never really worship. You have to be intentional. And these wise men, oh, <laughs> they intended to worship. Here's their story. Uh, Matthew chapter 2 says that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men came. Oh, let me try again. Are there any wise men? 
Yeah, some of you got wiser in the last couple of minutes. Amen. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now you pause. Some people wonder uh, where they came from, probably from Persia, modern-day Iran. And some people wonder why these men in the east would even know that a king was to be born in Israel. Well, if you'll remember, the Old Testament prophet Daniel was captured and taken to Babylon, to Persia. And Daniel prophesied that there would be a Messiah that would come. He was a wise man. He was in the courts of the king as a wise man. And he was actually known in his day because God's blessing was on him as the wisest of the wise men. And so other wise men studied Daniel. What did he say? What advice did he give? What insights did he have? And in their studies, they probably found out that he told them a Messiah would be born. So these men from the east, modern-day Iraq, came to the Holy Land, and they came to Jerusalem. And here's the question they asked. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen, and they call it his star, if anyone asks you what star it was, it was his star in the east. And watch their intention. And we have come to worship him. Why are you here today? Yeah. I, I wish you could say with these guys. We have come to worship him. We've come to love God. And we've come to express that love. Now, the story of Jesus, and we see the living nativity, and we see Christmas cards that are sent, and the pictures of Jesus usually have Jesus right in the middle, Mary, she looks great, just gave birth, but she looks really great, uh, Joseph, he, he's calm, cool, and collected, even though he's just been through the birth of his first son, um, the camels, very well behaved all lined up in a nice row. The sheep, sort of kneeling down to the side. The shepherds are there. And they usually have, usually three, though the Bible doesn't say there was just three, but they usually three uh, wise men that are there. Now, the wise men um, probably weren't at that moment. In fact, they probably came some two years later. In fact, when Herod gave the command to kill the children, trying to make sure he eliminated Jesus from Bethlehem. His command was that all children two years old and younger. So here's how the story unfolds. Some two years before, these men see a star. Now get this. These guys were serious about worship. For two years, they traveled hundreds of miles to do what? And some people go, well, I can't go to church. It's too far. Well, I, pro I, promise you, I promise you, brothers and sisters, I promise you today, somebody looked outside. I promise you today, somebody looked outside and said, I could melt in that rain. So I just want to compliment at least this intentionality that you have because you are here. Come on, tap your neighbor, pat him on the back, and say, you made it on a rainy day. Go ahead, tell him you made it on a rainy day. I just want you to see that these guys were intentional. For two years, they trekked through danger, wilderness, desert, 
because they were determined that they were going to worship him. It is a personal intention of mine to worship, to love God, and to express that love every day of my life. In my personal time with God, my prayer time with God, my devotional time with God, I want to love God and I want to express that love. It also is an intention of mine, and I encourage you to join me and my family, that as I, we raised our children and as we have been together all these years, that at least once a week, at least once a week, we gather together with the family of God, with a community of believers, and we worship together. Because there's an anointing and a blessing when you worship individually or privately. There is a different anointing when you worship together in what the Bible calls the body of Christ. And it's important that you experience both of those anointings. So even when we're on vacation, we're like looking how we can, how we can get to worship, where worship is. Um, uh, one time we were in Hawaii, and the only church we could find that was close enough to us was in a bar, so we went to that church. It, it was a good church. We've been, when we travel, sometimes we're in good churches, sometimes not so good churches. Sometimes people greet us and talk to us. Sometimes they ignore us. But we still go because we're not there for the people. We're there for Him. We're intentional to worship. We have worshiped in California and Pennsylvania. We have worshiped uh, in Africa. We get to church. We have worshiped when we were in the Smoky Mountains. And there are some different churches in the Smoky Mountains. <laughs> but we go because it is an intention so that we will be like these wise men, will be intentional because at least once a week I want to be together with God's people under a corporate community anointing that comes in the body of Christ. I want that to be part of my life. I often say this, and you may have heard it before, but a weekend without worship will leave you weak in the end. Ta-da. That's tweetable. That's tweet. You can tweet that. It's tweetable. So these wise worshipers let nothing distract them. Not distance, not hardship. They were intentional in their worship. The second thing I want to point out about worship, wise worship, is that it needs to be biblical. Biblically guided worship. Now, think with me. Uh, about these wise men. They came from the east, from Persia. They came hundreds of miles, and they came guided by the star, and the star led them where? You can talk to me. It's okay. It's interactive. Led them? Some, yes, but before Bethlehem, they went to Jerusalem, right? They went to Jerusalem. In fact, why? here's how the story goes. The star led them they ended up in Jerusalem thinking that Jerusalem would be, it's the capital. If there was a king born, certainly they would know about it in the capital. And they went to the king, Herod, and said, where is this king? And what did the king do? The king went to the scholars of Scripture, said, I want you to look in the Bible, and I want you to find out where this king is to be born. And the Bible scholars, those who studied the Bible, the Word of God, said the prophet Micah told us where Jesus would be born. They were directed to Bethlehem by the Scriptures. Here's what it says. Verse 5, So they said to him, 
these was the scholars, the, the, those that studied the scriptures. The Messiah, the king, would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. For it is written by the prophet, and I put the reference there in your study guide, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So it was the Bible that directed their worship to find Jesus in Bethlehem. Now we live in a culture and a society where there is, listen to me brothers and sisters, there is rampant idolatry. Not that people are building idols and they have some little place in their house, but People are creating their imagination of what God should be like, and they are coming and saying, that's what God is like, rather than coming to the Scriptures which reveal God to us and saying, I want to worship the God who is revealed in the Bible. And true worship is worship that is in line with the Word of God. So what, do, what people do is go, I feel God is like this. Let me say this, if your imagination or your image of God is not challenging you to change, it's probably idolatry. Think about that just for a moment. Yeah, it is good. Thank you very much. That just came to me in the first service, so I repeated it because it was so good in the first service. And they really liked it in the first service. I don't know about this service, but the first service really liked it. I'll say it again. If your image, your imagination of God that you create is not challenging you to change, it's probably idolatry. You've probably created a comfortable God, but the God of Scripture pulls you to be a child of righteousness, to be a man of God, to live as a child of the kingdom, not of this world. There's all kinds of people worshiping a God that is, is imagined in this world. This is what this world thinks God is like. But we need to be biblical in our worship because the Bible shows us what God is like. Very important. Also, uh, when we engage in worship, uh, the things that we do here, we, we don't just sing because people like to sing, or I think I said last week, we just don't sing for the people that come late. <laughs> Worked last week and still working. We sing because the Bible says that's how God likes to be worshipped. There's music in heaven. There's singing in heaven. So we worship through song. We worship, people clap their hands. Well, that's in the Bible. We worship in a way, the Bible, they clap their hands. Uh, people lift their hands. And if you're new to the church, sometimes people wonder why people have so many questions in this church. <laughs> the, the Bible says, the Bible. You want to worship, you, you look, look how it is, and then you do it. The Bible says, I would like you to lift up holy hands, God's hand, God, hands that God is making holy. I'd like you to lift them up. I also remind you that lifting your hands is the international symbol of surrender. It, I surrender, God. Or it's offering your hands. Lord, this week, today, I would like to give you my hands. Use the activity of my life. So we worship biblically. We give thanks because the Bible says give thanks. We give offerings because the Bible talks about giving offerings. We give and worship according to how the Scripture is, making sure that Jesus is at the absolute center of our worship. Just like these wise men, we have come to worship Him intentionally, 
biblically. And the next one I'm going to talk to you about, I, I really identify with because uh, I love it. And if you're going to worship, it should do something not just academically, not just cerebrally, not just in your mind, your thoughts towards God, but worship should do something deep in your soul. Worship should do something deep in your heart. And one of the things it should do, brothers and sisters, it should give you joy. Not just a little bit. Not a little dabble, do you? It should give you exceeding great joy. So if you say, but Scott, I've been worshiping and I haven't got that joy, maybe you need to listen closely today. Listen to what happened to these. They were wise men. They, They were scholars. They were students and teachers. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I want to point out that they hadn't even seen Jesus yet. This is sometime, we don't know exactly when this is, maybe it was the whole trip. Maybe it was the moment they came out from Jerusalem, and it's about a 10-mile trip to Bethlehem. Maybe it was the whole 10 10 miles, they just exceedingly great joy. Or maybe it was when the star came to rest over the house. Maybe that was the moment. But we know it was sometime before they saw Jesus, the star was leading them. It wasn't a natural star. It wasn't an astronomical star because it moved. And astronomical stars move across the sky. This one actually, if you study it, is actually moving against the astronomical pattern. So it's not an astronomical star. It's some spiritual, supernatural thing that God was guiding them with. But as he guided them, and before they saw Jesus, before their faith was realized, they were filled with incredible joy. Oh, I wish you'd get this. It means that before your faith is realized, before God has everything worked out, and when some things are still not seen, you can have exceeding great joy. It means that when you are on your way to church, you haven't got here yet, you're not with the corporate anointing, but you know you're going to get into the corporate anointing. And as you drive to church, you're not fighting. Why is it, why is it that the enemy, you know this, he attacks before you church? Because he knows this. I'm trying to reveal him. He knows that if you are in tune with the wisdom of worship, that before you ever get into the corporate anointing, you can have, before you get here, before you get here, exceeding great joy. And then when you get here, Psalm 1611 says, when you get into his presence, there's actually fullness of joy. You upgrade your joy when you get here. Whoa, Whoa. Whoa. somebody say fire. So that's, that's good. Oh. I think I'm preaching better than you're listening. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to continue anyway. They, these, there was a philosophy. Talk about just some of us are cerebral and we think about a lot of stuff, and that's good. But it's got to do, worship has to be more than academic. It's got to be down here. It's got to be something there. Um, Blaise Pascal was a a brilliant um, scientist, philosopher, uh, who was a genius, a genius. And uh, 
Scholars know him. They study Pascal even to this day. When he died, inside his coat that he wore, they found a parchment that was sewn so it would be next to his heart. And this, this brilliant, I'm going to call him an egghead. Do you know what an egghead is? How many know what an egghead is? How many know an egghead? Uh, okay, he was a nerd. I'll say that. Yeah, but he was a smart nerd. Some nerds are not smart. <laughs> Let me just read what this brilliant mathematician, this, this philosopher that is still studied today, he had an encounter with Jesus. And, he, and this is what he kept in the jacket, sewn into the lining of this parchment, that said, Year of Grace, 1654. This is the, when he received Jesus. Monday, 23rd November, from about half past 10 at night to about half past midnight, fire. This is not just academic. Fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars. Certitude, heartfelt joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God, your God. Joy, joy, joy. I just love that. I just like, I want to get to that part. Come on, give me a good joy, joy, joy. <laughs> Tears of joy. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. Now, if your love for God, the real, the real expression of love brings joy. We know this. This is true on a human level, that a real expression of love brings joy. And that's true on a human level and even multiplied on a divine level. That when you love God and you express that to God, there is a joy that comes. And if you haven't been experiencing that, it may be because of the next issue we're going to talk about. I want to talk about this part of worship. That worship needs to be done in humility. Watch these worshipers. Watch them. Um, and when they came into the house, this is not, okay, I'm just saying, let's just point out, it doesn't say, and when we got to the stable. You see that? Because some of you are still back on, I think they were there. I always saw them there. My credit, not my credit card, my <laughs> Christmas cards always show them there. My credit cards don't. <laughs> but when they got to the house, because Jesus was in a house, he was probably about two years old. Jesus is in his tremendous twos at this point. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and what do they do? They fell down and they worshiped him. That is a outward position of an inward reality of humility. Kneeling down is an outward sign of an inward humility. Now you can kneel down and still not be humble. Or you can stand up and be humble. But humility of heart is what is. And here's what humility is. Humility is getting our attention off of ourselves, off of our ego, off of our pride, and fixing our attention and our love on God. When you talk to somebody, if you don't have their full attention, you feel diminished. Do you ever talk to somebody and they're like looking over your shoulder? <laughs> you, you know that. Or have you ever talked to somebody 
And uh, have you ever talked to somebody that's just holding their cell phone? I mean, you, you, don't have to, you don't even have to look. I mean, I'll tell you this. When you, uh, this is an important teaching. When you hold your cell phone in your hand and you have a conversation, you diminish the person that's talking to you. If you don't know that, then it was worth coming to church just to learn that. Because you're like, maybe somebody will call. I, I learned a new word this week. I, I learned a new, new word. Flubbing. P-H-U-F and the rest of the letters. Well, it's, it's, it's modeled after the word. Now, has anybody heard the word flubbing? It's not a real popular word, but it's there. It's not in the dictionary yet, but it comes off the word snubbing. Anybody know snubbing? To snub someone? Well, flubbing is snubbing somebody with your phone. And the article I was reading is that it's bad for marriages. Because when you talk to your spouse or someone you love and they are on their phone, it diminishes you. You, you, have you ever talked to somebody and you know, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. they don't have your attention. You are flubbing them. And I would just encourage you when you come to worship to not flub God. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know you can have your phone out and it's legit during service because the scriptures can be on your phone and I have the Bible on my phone. Uh, you can be taking notes on your phone. I get that. But you can also be doing Facebook. Come on, now I'm preaching now. Now I'm, now I am. And we can tell because you connect to our network and we can tell where you go. <laughs> we don't do that, but we probably could. So, so your, your attention, but it's not worship. You can come in and sing the words. You can actually sing the words off the screen but your heart is not engaged with God, and it's not worship. You're flubbing or snubbing, worse, because God does not have your attention. And when you don't give your attention, I'm just going to encourage you, when you engage in conversation, put your phone away. When you go, oh, when you go out to the restaurant, put your phone away. Don't even, don't, I'm, I'm preaching now, I'm meddling, I'm meddling, I'm in a muscle, but, but it's not even in the Bible, but I'm going to say it. Because the, they didn't have cell phones in Jesus' day, or he would have been talking like this. Don't put it out on the table. You ever, you ever talk to somebody and they're like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just a minute. Or even this is bad. Your phone goes, I'm not going to get that. I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm going to move on. Put your phone away. And when you come to church, put everything away that distracts you from loving God and expressing that love to God. Which means you don't come to see what Mark is wearing today. Or you don't, it's not commentary. Oh, look, Scott's wearing a jacket be something big. You don't come for the trees. You don't come for the lights. You don't come for the fog. You don't come for, you don't come for anything but to love God and express your love to God. I saw a picture. It was about like a month or two ago, 
and it was, I think it was in the Philippines, and they had some flooding, and the people in the church were standing in water for a worship service. The water was up to about their knees, and there they were in worship in the middle of a flood. Man, it challenged my soul. So just when we come into this house, when we come here, humility means we're not caught up in our ego. This is difficult because we're around other people that we don't worry about what our voice sounds like to the person beside us or how we're looking at that particular, are my hands good? We, we keep coming back to the thought in worship, God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I really love you. And I want to express that when I sing it, when I say it, I want to love you. And if you're not experiencing the joy, it could be because you need to shift away from the ego of your per pride and get on to non-ego worship, which is you care very little about yourself or nothing, and you come in humility to God and you learn worship. And that kind of worship brings something in your heart and soul. It brings joy. Brings joy. Brings joy. So, Last thing I want to say about these wise worshipers is this, is that they worship with incredible generosity. We know that they brought generous gifts, gold, which was valuable in their day and our day, frankincense, myrrh. I was reading an article in the uh, South China Morning Post. They were evaluating what this gift would be worth in today's dollar. They estimated $120 million. Now, there's, there's various estimates. All of them that I've read say this was a very lavish gift. It was a very generous gift. Notice that they didn't bring soap from the hotel in Jerusalem. They didn't bring like King Herod soap. <laughs> they didn't re-gift. They planned their gift two years in advance. And it was lavish. And it was generous. And real heartfelt worship. See, when you, I think I said this recently, when you really love someone, you can't help but give. Did I talk about that recently? I talked about loving Darla, and when I was like, when you're first in a, man, you can't keep money in your pocket. And these guys gave lavishly. The Bible always encourages us towards generosity. The Hebrew Scriptures 35 times tells us our first tithe, the first 10% of our income belongs to God. 25 times it talks about the first fruits, the first portion of our income just as God's belongs to Him. The Bible just encourages generosity. And it's not just financial. It's uh, your time, how, how, you, how you give your time. Your treasure, of course, your talents. And it's just so important that we learn to be lavish in our love for God. Not, not giving a little bit, but giving as much as we can. Generously. And that's the heart of these early worshipers. Now, the reason it's so important, I want to show you this. That when we come to verse 12, we find that the result of this worship, this wise worship, was that they entered into a new phase of their life being directed by God. 
Now, they'd seen the star, but the star had led them to Jerusalem. That wasn't where they wanted to go. And then the star led them to Bethlehem and led them to the house in Bethlehem. That was important, to find the house. But now, verse 12 of chapter 2 says, Then, and that's because of all the things that we've been through already, they intentionally worshipped and they biblically worshipped and they worshipped with joy and they worshipped with humility and they worshipped with generosity. And then... After all that kind of worship, then being divinely warned. And I would pray in this Advent season, this Christmas season, that you would hear the divine voice of God speaking to your heart, speaking to your soul. And it comes out of a practice of worship. Loving God, expressing your love towards God. Worship opens your heart, and worship opens your ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. They were divinely warned in a dream, that's how God spoke to them, that they should not return to Herod, and they departed their own country another way. Now, we're going to do a series in January to kick off the year called Listening. And it's, it's to get direction, how to get direction for the brand new year. But the principle is right here. These men who had a heart towards God, they were seeking. They finally found Christ. They worshiped him. They gave. And then their ears were opened to a new dimension of listening to the divine. And wouldn't it be great in this hectic season when we can be distracted by all kinds of stuff and our schedules get very full, that we just intentionally take time every day for worship. I'm going to spend time loving God and letting Him love me. And we don't get so busy that we can't come to worship even when it's raining. We just intentionally come so that we can connect to what God is saying to us about our lives. I promise you right now, He's speaking to you. And are you hearing? Worship will help you to hear the voice of of your Father who loves you desperately and deeply and more than you will ever know. Worship helps you to hear. And so our prayer would be that we would hear what he would say to us. That we wouldn't just come to church in a worship service, but that we would worship. There's a song in this uh, time of the year that we sing that says, Oh, come, let us adore him. It's a song that just expresses, God, we want to love you, and we want to express that to you. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. Stand together. Let's sing that. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. One more time. Just lift your voice. Give it all you got. Oh, come let us 
say out loud, say, Lord, I love you. Go ahead, just tell him, say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. I want to express that. Now with our eyes closed and our hearts wide open, I know that Jesus is in this room and I know what he's doing. He's knocking on your heart's door. I'm going to lead in a prayer in just a moment that invites people to open their heart to Christ, to all that he is and all that he has. As I lead this prayer, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and just get ready to pray for people's lives to be transformed by the power of God. I want to make an invitation to all, everyone that is here 100%, that we would all open our hearts to the Christ of this season, that he would come in and change us as Savior and Lord. Some people, for the very first time, for the very first time opening their life to Christ, he will revolutionize you. He will transform you. Some people have walked far away from him. And today's a day to renew relationship with this one who rises as the Son of God with healing in his wings. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to ask you to pray out loud after me and let God hear your voice. He loves to hear your voice. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and a miracle will take place. Here's our prayer. With all the people around you, we lift our voice and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name because I really need you. I open my heart and my soul to Jesus Christ. I leave my sins behind. I repent of them. And I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your forgiveness, your love, your mercy, your grace. Now help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. Help me to love God more and express that more. Teach me to be a worshiper. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen. That's a good prayer. It really is. It's a good prayer. Now, our prayer team is here because we believe in the God of miracles. We believe that when people pray, miracles take place. In fact, we believe there's a miracle in this house with your name on it. And so we're here to pray for breakthrough. Whatever the Lord is whispering to your heart, we want to see that happen. If you're coming to Christ for the first time, that's important. You're renewing your dedication. You need healing. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray for healing. If you need restoration, we'll pray for restoration. If you need hope, we're going to pray to the God of hope. Whatever you need, we're going to pray for. And you're welcome to come. You don't have to be a member of this church. To receive prayer. Also, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive communion, and those that would like to receive communion can do that before uh, we close in worship. There's a communion table at the left-hand side and the right-hand side. All we ask is that you think about Jesus, remembering that he died on the cross to take away all your sins. He went into the tomb. He rose on the third day, and he's here with us right now. As you take the bread and take from the cup of the Lord, you are thanking God for his present presence in your life. And receive communion and worship him that way. Our team is going to pray. Communion is going to be served. The worship team is going to worship. Maybe you haven't worshiped yet. Maybe you've sat through this whole song. I don't know. But before you go, express your love to God, and you will have worship. If you've been a guest here today, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you more than words could say, and we would invite you, if you've never come to our VIP room, you are a VIP as our guest. It's over on the left-hand side. It says VIP. We'd like to meet you, greet you, give you some gifts, 
and just bless you. Got any questions, you can stop by there as well. But I want to pray a blessing. And after this blessing, there's no other benediction. The worship team will lead. People will receive prayer, receive communion. You can come and receive what God has for you. You can go with the grace of God. But I bless you. May you walk with Jesus every day of your life this week. And in this season of Advent, may you take time to personally worship, individually worship, and come often and worship together with us on weekends or Wednesdays, sometime in the hectic season. Carve out some time to say, I'm going to intentionally worship. If these guys could walk two years in the desert, you can make it. I believe in you. (laughs) And that you would hear what the Spirit would say to you. So I pray that the Lord will give you ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to you. That you would be divinely directed that the blessing of the Lord would overtake you. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy. All joy. Joy, joy, joy. I pray there would be more joy, more peace, more shalom in your home, more blessing, more presence of God in your home as you trust in God. As you get away from ego and pride, let that go and come to a place of worship so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And all of God's people say, amen. God bless you. So good. Come forward for prayer, please. Come forward for communion. And come forward, let the Holy Spirit do something unusual in your life.